You're listening to Queer Travel Chat by Two Bad Tourists. Hello, everyone. My name is Austin. I am one of your co-hosts with Queer Travel Chat, and I am joined today with my other co-host, David. Hello. Sorry and, we're starting late. <laughs> yeah, sorry we're starting late, but uh, at the moment, I see we have another listener. Uh, wonderful. And today, we're also joined by my co-worker, Clark Massad, who is the Vice President of Global Partnerships for IGLTA. Hello, Clark. Hello, guys. So it's going to be, hopefully, not too difficult to hear us. We are here at uh, Fitor in Madrid, which is um, a uh, travel... It's a travel trade show. It's actually the largest travel trade show in Madrid. So there is, there's going to be some background noise. They're doing sound checks, but for the most part, hopefully you can hear us uh, coming to you live. Yeah, so uh, we're also near a stage, so hopefully there's not going to be a speaker <laughs> within the next hour. We're going to give it a go. We're but, just winging it. Yeah, it's, it's all part of the trade show experience. Exactly. Absolutely. So, uh, I think it'll be okay. Um, so, uh, Austin, do you want to start by telling them, you're more familiar with Vitor than I am, so do you want to start, uh, give a little bit of background? Yeah, definitely. Is and so, how we got involved, how you got involved. Sure. So, so just to kind of quickly set the stage. So, we're, we're planning on doing these episodes once a week, normally on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Today is, of course, Friday. Uh, but the reason we wanted to do a special episode is because here in Madrid, uh, every year in January, they host a travel trade show, which is called Fitur. It's the largest in Spain. And essentially, a travel trade show is where it's really kind of the B2B side of uh, travel. It's the business side of travel where uh, companies from around the world get together in one uh, tourism fair, one congress, one trade show, and really just do business together with each other. Um, so airlines meet hotels and travel agents meet tour operators and everyone just meets everyone really to create all the tourism infrastructure that as travelers we we enjoy every day. So I don't know, Clark, if you... If you had anything to add. Well, Austin, all I was going to say is that it's really incredible to see, you know, here we are hopefully coming out of a, a global pandemic. And despite that, the line to get into Fit Tour uh, on, uh, what was it, Tuesday morning was more than two hours long because of security protocols right. and health protocols and everything like that. So for me, that is a really, really positive sign that tourism is on the rebound and that people want to do business. And when you walk around Thank and you God. see all the different destinations that are exhibiting and the, the amount of money that they've invested in their, their, their stands, um, I think it's a really, really positive sign. Yeah. And Clark, I just want to say thank you for arriving early because my wait in line was only one hour because I jumped the line with you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> wait, that was yesterday? That uh, was this, yesterday, this was yeah. uh, Or Wednesday. I think Wednesday. it started on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Yeah. yeah. But Wednesday. today was much easier. To <laughs> today was much yeah. easier. Yeah, because they're, you know, the, the safety protocols for free tour are really strict you have a have to have a vaccination certificate um and they have to you have to wear special masks and things like that so it, okay. it took a while yeah okay like well we're gonna pick your brain in uh, about uh, trade shows and about tourism in general um before we get to that um do you want to quickly remind them also of our yeah. trips yeah so, that, so so if you're listening uh we just want to remind you in 2022 uh we are hosting two um, excuse me three trips uh one to spain in May, one to Greece in June, and one to Croatia in August. So if you want information about that, you can go to twobedtourists.com. Absolutely. And we'd love to join you. We, we'd love to have you join us on one of our hosted trips. So uh, let us know. And if you like our podcast, we want to remind you to subscribe to Queer Travel Chat on Colin. And if you want to follow us on social media, we're always at Two Bed Tourists. Absolutely. So let's jump into it. Let's talk a little bit about Fee Tour and why 
why we thought it made sense to to come live to you from Fitur. And the reason is because we're actually sitting in the LGBT section of Fitur. So Fitur is one of the few travel trade shows around the world that has a dedicated section to LGBT tourism. So we're actually all looking at this empty stage because the the, the fair doesn't really, it starts at 10 a.m. and it's 10, 11 our time, but it's Friday and there were parties last night. And so, we're in Spain. And we're in Spain. <laughs> so people don't really get here until 11 or noon. But so basically there's a huge stage with probably about, what would you guys say, 100 chairs set yeah, up. More or less. Um, this year, there's maybe about 12, 15 booths with different Spanish destinations, which is actually very, very low attended. In normal years, Fitur has about 30 to 40 booths from everywhere from Spain to just Thailand. Just in the LGBT Just area. in the LGBT. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And if you were to look at the entire um, the entire space for Fitur, there are eight pavilions, which are massive, right? So you could walk around. the. It would probably take you about an hour to walk through every single oh, pavilion. So this is where we are now. It's just one of the eight. One of the eight. This is huge. Um, does Fitur focus on the the Spanish market, the Latino market? That's right? so. That's a really good question. So, when you look at travel trade shows, they tend they're always held in in different destinations. So, in Madrid, for example, um, the main tourism or, or the tourism that they're promoting is they're promoting either Spain to outside markets, or they're often promoting places like Latin America to Spanish clients. Right. So. In tourism, we have these terms called inbound and outbound. So it would be inbound coming into Spain, right? And then outbound, Spanish people going out to Latin America or going out to Europe. So I would say that tends to be the focus for Fitur in general. Is it also more business to business then? Like Absolutely, yeah. Car conferences talk about that. The, the first three days of it are really primarily business to business. And then Fitur is one of the uh, global trade shows that actually has a consumer component to, to it also. So on the weekend, consumers can come in and it kind of becomes like, you know, a travel agency. People aren't booking travel while they're here, but they're getting ideas about where they want to go. Discovering destinations. Discovering what they destinations, have to offer. picking up brochures. Actually, a really cool thing this year, stands are doing less and less actual um, physical printed brochures. And when you go up to stands, there's QR codes. And I think that that's one of the one of the lasting developments that's going to stay around after yeah. COVID. Um, and I think it's great for the environment and it's a sustainability issue too. You can just flash um, the QR code to get the brochure or to learn more information or to win a prize, right. you know. So um, it's really a nice uh, uh, technological advancement that's come about as a as Yeah, a like one of, of the few benefits. One of the few, yeah, yeah positive. Which I agree because it's also, you know, once you have a brochure, you don't want, you just throw that somewhere in your house and you lose it. But if you can save it somewhere on your device, I think that's better. Exactly. I, I, I like that as well. Um, so I think right now it's just mostly businesses and professionals, but today's Friday. So tomorrow, Saturday will be Exactly. Saturday and Sunday, it's open to the public. And what you'll find is you'll find a lot of the, a lot of these stands are actually very elaborate. They have giant LCD screens. Yeah. And on the weekends, they'll specifically bring in, like, for example, uh, maybe Latin American countries will bring in traditional dancers or they'll bring in traditional food or wines or drinks and just kind of put on a show for people who come just to just to have a fun experience, maybe inspire them to travel to a particular destination. Here in, I think we're in Hall 3. So we are in, the, of course, you know, they put the gays in the corner. We're in the far back corner, but it's still, <laughs> it's still quite visible, right? It's not like the gay beach where you can't see us. Um, but the rest of the stand is, is Latin America. So I can see Caribbean. I can see Puerto Rico. I can see 
Latinx, Colombia's yeah. not far. Mexico Chile, is here. Mexico. So we share we share space with the Latins. Excellent. Okay, so um, why don't we get into our uh, questions with Clark and pick his brain? Um, I also want to remind everyone that uh, you are welcome to call in and participate. I know we have one listener now, but you're welcome. If you have any questions, we will uh, be paying attention to the phone so we can um, allow you to call in. Austin, do you remember how they can access the... Yeah, so at the bottom right corner of your phone, there is a phone icon. So if you ever want to join the caller queue, you just tap that. You'll be joined into the caller queue, and then we'll give you the opportunity to speak or ask a question, and you'll just have to unmute your phone. Um, but before we get into, well, just just a quick, a little bit more introductions. Oh. I talked a little bit about it on episode one, but aside from this, our blog and queer travel chat, my day job is actually working for IGLTA, which is the International LGBTQ Plus Travel Association, and we're a nonprofit organization that was started 38 years ago. And so essentially, we, we work to promote tourism, LGBT tourism around the globe. And Clark is is my colleague um, at IGLTA. But we actually met uh, we actually met in Madrid in 2014, right? So at what, the, what, for the convention at the convention, the IGLTA convention, right? exactly. So yeah. that was before you were working. That was before IGLTA. I was working. So I started working for IGLTA in 2017, and then we met in 2014. So maybe just. Do you want to tell them a little bit about what our convention is and, and when it came to Madrid? Absolutely, yeah. So the um, as Austin said, IGLTA was created in 1983, and it was originally created as a grassroots organization by a group of gay guest house owners and travel advisors in southern Florida. And today we have more than a, a global network of more than 10,000 LGBTQ travel professionals in 80 countries. And every year, except for 2020, of course, <laughs> of course, every year since the beginning of the, the, the since the creation of the organization, we have hosted a global convention. And our global convention is really designed for our members to come together and uh, learn more about how to work with LGBTQ, the LGBTQ community and LGBTQ plus travelers, how to welcome them, and also for our members to be able to network with one another. And that's one of the things that our members tell us they really want to do the most is they want to network. They, you know, they're all located in different countries. They have different products and services to offer, different destinations. So our convention is the opportunity for them to come together and learn more about the LGBTQ travel community and also to interact and, and do business with one another too. And so this is the one. It, the convention takes place like one year in North America, exactly. one year outside of North America. Right? Yeah, exactly. It yeah. moves around, and, and, and so. That particular year, we were in Madrid. Right. Um, it was an amazing convention. Uh, we are going to be in Milan in October of this year, and it's the first time our convention will have come back to Europe since the Madrid convention. Right. So, so that's about seven, eight, eight years. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, or, or if I can do my math right. Um, well, yeah. What's so so basically the IGLTA convention is it's a little similar to Fee Tour, where you bring travel professionals together to network. Except that Fee Tour is mainstream, but has a LGBT section, the IGLTA convention is 100% big, big, and, big on, and gay. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, gay. And, and global, not and, just... Uh, yeah, and, and global, yeah, we're, we're international, um, exactly. Clark, I have here that you are the VP of Global Partnerships. Is that correct? That is correct. What does that mean? So I work with our global partners, and global partnership with IGLTA is really our... Uh, they're really our, our highest stakeholders within the organization. Okay. Um, and these are major global travel brands like the Accor Group, um, uh, Marriott, Hilton, Disney Destinations, um, Delta Airlines. I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, uh, we also work with um, destinations. We work with the Italian National Tourism Board. We work with the city of Nice in France. Um, uh, so it, it, our global partners are really um, supporting LGBTQ travel worldwide. And I think the, the major benefit for our global partners is the opportunity to have visibility via IGLTA with LGBTQ consumers worldwide because just like all our members, they get a profile on our website. They, they can you know, have a listing up there, have their photos up there, description of who they are and what they do. Um, but also it's really important for them from an internal human resources standpoint because it sends a very clear message to their employees that this brand and this company is supportive and welcoming of the LGBTQ community. Um, and many of our global partners also have internally within the organization, they have their own, some of them call them employee resource groups or business resource groups, but it's groups of like-minded employees that have the same values. And so they have groups that are focused around the LGBTQ community. So it really becomes a nice synergy and a nice way for these global brands to demonstrate their commitment to the LGBT That's community. great. I've never really thought about that with IGLTA, that it's not just about the, these businesses focusing on the tourism aspect and the LGBTQ tourists that come, but also their own employees exactly. within the company. Right. That's, exactly. I think, huge to know that your company supports their community. Yeah. And many of our global partners manage their partnership from a sales, marketing, and a human resource standpoint. So they really are able to get uh, a holistic approach to the way they manage their relationship with us. So, so Clark, we actually didn't uh, mention this part, but you are based in Paris, correct? That is so right. So how long have you been in Paris and what brought you there? I moved to France in uh, at the end of 1999, in September of 99. Um, I had been working in advertising in the United States for 10 years. I was ready for a change, ready for a break. I had always wanted to live in France. Uh, and so I took a six month sabbatical from my job, moved to Bordeaux, Went to a for French, the wine. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, officially, officially for a French language school. Oh, right, right. But there happened to be good wine in, yeah, the, in yeah. the region also. Um, uh, so I did that for three months to improve my French because I already spoke French, but I really wanted to improve it in order to be able to interview and start looking for a job. Had you studied in, in college? I studied or in high school, school college. See, it's yeah. funny because we sp- came to Spain to learn language, but I think we stayed for the wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Either way, it worked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so then after that, I moved to Paris for three months to look for a job. And my, my thought was, you know, if I find a job, if I like it, I'll stay. If not, at least I will have lived in France for six months and, you know, enjoyed that experience. Uh, I did find a job in another advertising agency doing almost the exact same thing I was doing in the United States. And I, but it was French. <laughs> it was French. However, my client uh, was an Anglo-Saxon English speaker. And so one of the reasons I was hired was because I was bilingual right, French-English. Right. I wanted to work in French. They wanted me to work in English. So after a few days, I'm like, okay, no, this isn't working out. <laughs> so a few months, months later, I left the advertising agency and I went to work for Tattoo Magazine, which is the French gay and lesbian lifestyle and fashion magazine. Excellent. Cool. So how, how long did you work for Tattoo? Um, I was with Tattoo for 10 years. I was uh, director of the advertising sales department for Tattoo. And that's actually when we created Tattoo Voyage, which was okay. our travel supplement. And that's when I first learned about IGLTA. Okay, so that was your entry into yeah, that, was, right? that was my okay. entry into IGLTA. And I started out as a as the French ambassador for IGLTA. So I'm, I'm curious, 
why why France though? Just because you had studied French in high school is just interesting to you? No, I, nothing more than that. I, I think it, I think it really is about um, having been very close to the French culture since a very early age. Okay. Um, my mom actually worked in travel, and she actually minored in French. And when she graduated college, she came and spent a summer in Europe writing articles for travel journals back in the United States. Um, so at a very early age, I think I was exposed to the French culture. Um, and then, you know, at some point in my life when I had to choose between taking either French or Spanish as a foreign yeah, language yeah. in school, I chose, it was, that was just the natural okay. choice. And it's just, you That's know. kind, kind of, of how the French group divide. Did you study French? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. At least in, in Arizona is that way. Um, how how was it being an American in, in France? I'm it's curious. great. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, Do you find it easy to integrate? Has it been difficult to integrate? You know, I'm really. I think I'm really fortunate in that I arrived at a good time. It was before the September 11 attacks in 2001. Um, uh, moving to another country and getting my residence permit and everything like that. It's never easy, but it was certainly a lot easier then uh, than, yeah. it, than it okay. was yeah, afterwards. Yeah, it's quite difficult we to know it's not now easier. Yeah, you guys tough. know. You wow. know. Yeah, lots um, of hoops. I'm really, really fortunate, too, in the fact that once I arrived in Paris and realized that I knew three people and that that was not sustainable, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I went to the Gay and Lesbian Center. And, and for me, this is a, a really good example of how important... Uh, Organizations like IGLTA and how important gay and lesbian centers or LGBTQ centers, as we call them today, are and how important it is for the community to be visible because I didn't know where else to go. So I went to the center and I said, hey, look, I'm new in town. I want to join an, an organization. I want to have an activity. I want to do something. I want to meet people. And they literally pulled out a file, uh, like a, 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 a file folder of all these different associations available and we started flipping through and he's like do you want to do hiv um uh, prevention do you want to do you know sports do you want to do this that and the other and he came upon um uh, gay and lesbian courses and i'm like that's it yeah. i want to sing so um i joined mellow men which is the international gay men's choir of paris and uh i've been with the choir for uh, 21 years now and it's become my my French family, and that's actually where I met my husband. Was oh, in that's the awesome. That's great. Yeah. I just I just realized I've never actually asked this question. You're obviously very well traveled. Do you have an idea of how many countries you've actually been to? You know, I have an app for that, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I can look at that by the end of this um, uh, conversation. But if I don't you know, had I, to guess, I, if I had to guess, I'd say maybe around fifty or so. Yeah, that's probably similar to us. I, I think we're around 50, 60. It's been a while since we've counted. Um, I think that's a great way to um, to meet people that you got involved. I think our way in Spain has always been just going out yeah. <laughs> to the bars. Yeah, that yeah. works too. Never, well, <laughs> except for the past two years when uh, everything was shut down. Right. It's yeah, interesting it because so we're sitting here in Madrid, which is the capital of Spain, and you live in Paris, which is the capital of France. I think <laughs> it is right. It is, and it's interesting because actually both Spain and France are, from a tourism standpoint, tourism is very important to both countries. But actually, uh, before the pandemic. Spain actually overtook France as the number one touristic destination for incoming tourists exactly. in 2019. Exactly. But for previous years, France had always been had always been number one, right? And, and when we say France, it's actually Paris that has always been number one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, got so, it. Um, and therefore France, but yeah, it's yeah, the, it's, it's really it's Paris, Paris is the main drive, right? right. It's, 
yeah, because when when people think about visiting France, of course, Paris is like the the go to destination. Of right. course, mm, interesting. Um, so speaking of, oh no, Ooh, I don't mind music. the don't mind the background music. They're just doing some uh, some testing. <laughs> we can get through. We'll wrap it up before the, the show starts. <laughs> um, Clark, I wanted to ask you about uh, what apps. Uh, are you using now for travel? Is there anything that you... My go-to app, and that really saves me, is TripIt. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with TripIt, yeah, yeah. but um, it's really cool because you can link your email addresses to it, and anytime you receive a confirmation on travel, uh, it immediately puts it into TripIt, and then your whole itinerary is automatically planned out for you. Okay. So it's a really great tool, and um, if you get the pro version... Uh, they alert you on delays and even, you know, show you how to get alternate flights and stuff like that. So it's been really helpful. And then another one that I like from a, a safety standpoint is um, the CAP Travel Security. And CAP is a travel security, um, uh, an organization that sells a travel security package. And, uh, you know, I think if you're traveling from the U.S., um, it's maybe like $79 for a trip to Europe or something like that. They're not sponsoring this episode, they're not, are they? No, they're not sponsoring. <laughs> okay. Wait, but I'm, not, I'm not familiar with it. It's well, called CAP? Yeah, it's called CAP. CAP. C-A-P. And it's called, it's travel assistance. And it's really cool because then once you're in the country or whatever countries you're going to, you can set up alerts for that country. Okay. And it gives you safety alerts. Um, on what's going on. Has so, there ever been a situation where you've been traveling and you're like, thank God I have this because it just saved my ass? Actually, I was in the Dominican Republic in January of 2020 and I had the app with me. And um, when I left, you know, we all knew that there was a pandemic going on in China and in Italy at the time. And um, we weren't really sure, you know, what was going to happen next. So I threw a bunch of, I went to the hardware store and bought masks oh, yeah. because that's but, the only, but didn't you and I go to Italy in February yeah, after that? Yeah, we were in Italy after yeah, that. in Milan, right? In Milan. Um, so both of those times, it's been really helpful because it's given me updates and alerts on what the situation is. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, it, our, our airport's being shut down. Okay. So um, the, you know, things like that. And, and they will even, help get you home if it gets to that point so okay those are good suggestions yeah. i like that i have another question for you and i specifically told david you know let's end let's ask him this question because i know you really well and you're a detail-oriented person so the question <laughs> is when you plan i mean are you the type of person that is you know do you leave things open-ended or do you plan things in very you know minute detail through your apps tell us a little bit about how you travel well, what is it I, what's your what, what do you think i i think you're a little <laughs> based more on the detail based side. on your trip it answer yeah. <laughs> so if it weren't for my husband austin you would be 100 percent right yeah um when my husband and i first met and first started traveling together um he is very much the type of Let's just get there and we'll see what happens. He's the one that gets on whatever bus or metro that's going the wrong way. Just right, like yeah, me, yeah, right? Yeah. Awesome. We've had that conversation before. <laughs> Sorry, Vincent. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I can't tell you how many buses I've dragged David on. Let's go before. Because you see the bus coming to the and metro you on and you don't want to miss it. Right. And then, I would happily miss it to make sure. <laughs> now you're going the wrong way. Um, but... Now, when we travel, what we have landed on and what I actually like and what I'm really comfortable with, because I think if you overplan, you can potentially miss out on so much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so my, uh, my, my, my fall down zone on that is let's plan one thing a day. 
Okay. You know, and let's maybe, and maybe, you know, today I say, I want to go to this museum. And tomorrow my husband, Vincent, says, well, I want to do this activity. And that's our one thing for the day. Um, but sometimes getting there or sometimes doing that leads you to something else. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good way to so go about it. we've really come to the um, uh, conclusion that, and there are obviously days where we're like, let's sleep in and we'll just get up and walk around the next day. Because we like to walk around. We like to really experience uh, a destination as locals as much as possible. Today. Right. So um, I think it's, you know, so much, if, if the pandemic has taught us anything, so much in life is about balance. And yeah. I think that traveling is also really about balance. That's there are some advice. things you know you want to do and you have to reserve it in advance. And obviously the pandemic has got us all much more accustomed to booking things in advance too. Yes, everything. Um, so there are some things that you you know you know you absolutely want to do, and you you have to book those. But I think it's leaving all the rest kind of open to opportunities that is um, part of the fun as well. What That's about um, your like ideal length if you're going to a new destination? What's a good length of time to be there for you usually? You know that is so dependent on the destination. Mm, okay. Because um, there's a lot of city breaks in Europe where three days, four That's days. That's true. It's is an, perfect. Or more than enough. Yeah. Or yeah, more than yeah. Yeah. <laughs> depending on the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but long haul destinations. Uh, for example, we went on our honeymoon to Japan. Okay, it was our honeymoon also, but Good we were example, there for almost three weeks. Yeah. And there's a plane and, that you, you and probably didn't long enough. Right? We did maybe yeah, yeah a yeah, third yeah. of the country. That's a perfect example. And um, even if it hadn't been our honeymoon, I wouldn't have gone for any shorter time because right. um, Japan has yeah. There's just yeah, so much to yeah. see and do. And, and you know, we went to the Gay Games in um, Australia uh, in 2000. Two, I think it was. And what's your sport at the Gay Games? Choir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I said that because I know because I know that <laughs> we're, we're part of the Choral Festival. Awesome. Oh, I thought you meant to like you. No, that's a sport. No, I got a medal. I got a medal. Congratulations. So I'm I'm sitting here looking at these giant P tour LGBT uh, plus signs. I want to bring it back a little bit to the travel conference because one thing that I really like about the format of this podcast is. It allows us to dive into deeper conversations. So on our blog, we're really focused on just travel day destinations and tips and things. We don't talk about the business side of travel. And it's interesting, I think, for people to, who don't work in tourism to know that these things exist, right? So Fee Tour, I mean, I, I don't know how many people actually come to Fee Tour, but there have to be thousands and thousands um, in normal pre-pandemic years. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if five, 10,000 people from international destinations fly into this event. And I don't know how Fitur compares to other travel trade shows. I know it's the largest in Spain. Um, I know, for example, there's one called ITB in Berlin, which is the largest in the world. But, I mean, we always joke about, like, our experience with ITB. It, I mean, you could walk around that place for two hours and, and not make an entire loop, right? Exactly, exactly. ITB is amazing because it is... The first ITB is? Uh, ITB, just like Fitur. No, the... the... I don't oh, know what, what the acronym is. Probably something German. It's something, yeah. Oh, it's something, something German. Um, something uh, Berlin, isn't it? Something probably Berlin. Berlin. Okay, yes. okay. So, so we don't know. All right, so I, something, something Berlin. Let's just say it's the equivalent in German, probably, of international travel Berlin. Okay, probably. Something like that. Sure. Or it could um, literally be that. And it, in English. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. You know, I've only been going to ITB since 2010, and I don't know what it actually stands for. They just call it ITB Berlin on this website. It's interesting because ITB is very similar to Fitur in the fact that they have a big LGBT focus. So I think yeah. for 10, 12 years at least, 
they have a very similar section where all the businesses are in a section of in a, in a it's not quite a corner <laughs> i think it's actually in the it's middle a pavilion. Of all. it's a pavilion. it's a pavilion so uh again focused on lgbt tourism which is great like spain and germany are, are progressive destinations so that's really cool um and but but aside from that i mean i guess what what travelers don't really know is in order to get on the flights or in order to buy these packages or in order to take these cruises all this business has to happen right. in, in sort of the background right, right. so um, I think it's just interesting to talk about that because we we don't ever really you know we don't talk about that on our blog well and ITB is actually more than 50 years old they celebrated their 50th anniversary of ITB a few years ago um, and it is on a trade show fairgrounds that is composed of nearly 30 individual halls and all of the halls are filled and some of the halls are two stories high wow it's that's huge. incredible it it's is huge it, it's Absolutely like a rat huge. in a maze and i don't mean that in a negative way i'm just trying to, I'm just trying <laughs> Give to you could have said a mouse right a, a mouse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but it is it's very uh it, when i first went to itv people said to me you have to plan who you're going to meet with and when because otherwise you spend your day running around. Yeah. And um, Austin, you and I were looking at, at the number of steps we had taken a couple <laughs> right. days ago, and I was at like 15,000 on the first day of here. I, I guarantee you at ITB, yeah. it's twenty five to 30,000 steps a day just because of all the walking you're doing. And um, so if you don't plan your route correctly, you end up starting in hall one, then you go to 27, then you go to 13, then you go to five, you know. Right, so you right. have to say, you okay, to I'm, organize I'm it. in this area mm-hmm. today or this morning in this yeah. area this afternoon. Um, and uh, I think there's 10,000 exhibitors and 70,000 trade show oh visitors, something like that. Yeah, well, the unfortunate thing with ITB is it was canceled. ITB uh, took place, always takes place in March, I believe. Right. And so in 2020, they had to cancel, obviously, because of the pandemic. In 2021, they canceled as, as well for obvious reasons. This year they canceled again, mm-hmm. and I think everyone really thought they would be able to go forward. But for 2022, exactly. Yeah. But but case you know we're we're here in Omicron, so we all know there's you know event cancellations. Um, luckily, Fitur just because of the timing, they never had to cancel. And last year they they were able to put it on with you know huge amount of safety um, regulations. You had to be tested. You had to either have vaccination. Everyone had to be tested to get in. The capacity was was half. Um, so luckily for we tour, we've never had to cancel um, the the Spanish tourism fair. But but yeah, unfortunately Berlin they they canceled. But I guess twenty twenty three is the is, <laughs> the is big reunion year, right? Well, and I think one of the challenges for a trade show like ITB is that it's very very international. So uh, compar- comparatively to Fitur, which is very Spanish mm-hmm. and yeah. local, the travel requirements for the exhibitors are not the same. So. ITB, when, you know, a third of your halls are uh, uh, occupied by Asian exhibitors and they can't come, mm-hmm. you know, and the other two thirds of the people coming are coming to meet with that first third, right. you know, it just makes the, it, yeah. it's not feasible. Um, ITB in 2020, they canceled. In 2021, they did have a virtual. That's true. Um, I, I uh, mistakenly and said that. And in 2022, they're going to have another version a virtual. of a virtual. Yeah. So, they are, they're doing a really good job of providing uh, a, a hybrid virtual alternative Got um, it. to it. But I think everybody has learned throughout this pandemic that there is just nothing 
to replace the in-person meetings. Yeah, definitely. What would you say in all these years you've worked in tourism as a, we, we like to say, professional gay? <laughs> it's my gay job and right. my day job. My gay job and my day. I like uh-huh. that one too. I'm going to steal that from you. So, I mean, what is the most important lesson you've learned over your career, would you say? You know, that's a really good question. And I think, um, actually, that, le- that, that lesson has changed dramatically in the past two years. One of the first things, my first answer was going to be something about um, learning patience, learning patience and um, uh, learning, learning to balance things. And I'm not only talking about a work-life balance, but I'm also talking about balance within um, the organization, within uh, the way we work with some of our partners and with some of our sponsors. Not everybody's going to be top level. Not everybody's going to be the lowest level people in the middle, you know, and you have to really learn how to uh, adapt and respond to different partners' needs and, and goals. But the thing that has really become clear to me and evident to me uh, in the past two years is gratitude oh, wow. and the importance of okay. gratitude. And uh, IGLTA would not have survived the pandemic had it not been for its members and its partners um, and our executive staff that did a really, really good job of managing the situation during the pandemic. Um, but uh, I, I'm really, really grateful to our members and to our partners that despite the pandemic and despite the fact that their businesses were in jeopardy also continue to support IGL. That's great. I think that's, yeah, that's really good insight from you, but also really good advice. So thank you for that. Um, Last question. Where are you going to next? I'm going to Milan. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You are going to Milan. And we're not talking about in October. No, I'm talking, I'm like next, I'm going home doing laundry and leaving again. (laughs) Oh, oh, I was thinking October for your next convention. We're doing a site inspection in Milan next week. Okay. Um, And, uh, and, you know, it's really, really great to do these site inspections because it's an amazing way to engage the local community and get them excited about the convention coming. And we did this in um, 2020 and got everybody all excited about it. And then, unfortunately, had to postpone it. So they're even more excited and really anticipating. 2022 is the year for Milan yeah, Convention. Yeah, exactly. I hope it yeah. goes smoothly. Well, Clark, Vice President of Global Partnerships, <laughs> IGLTA, thank you very much for being on our podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for letting me join you. This is your second podcast, This is our right? second podcast, yeah. but you are our first official guest oh speaker. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. thank you for I'm that. I'm so honored. Yeah. Wow. You, you've broken our, our you. guest speaker virginity for Queer Travel Chat. Okay. Perfect guest. So, David, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what is to come next week? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, our third episode is going to be uh, this coming Tuesday, January 27th, uh, 7 p.m. We're going to uh, be talking about the trans community and international travel and some of the issues uh, that they face um, traveling as a, as a transgender uh, person. So um, we'll be having a special guest, right? Yeah, so we're going to talk to our good friend, uh, Stevie Tran. She is a uh, member of the Transgender Advisory Group for IGLTA. Yep. She's also a partner at Tran- uh, Aerosmith. They focus on LGBT issues, uh, legal issues, as well as other things. They focus on uh, kind of uh, Greek life and LGBT issues. Um, so Stevie Chan's going to talk to us about uh, her perspective and her experience traveling as a trans woman. She's also um, also uh, an avid traveler, so we're excited right. to talk to her, pick her brain about uh, about her, her perspective on things. Perfect. I'm really excited for that episode. That will be our third episode on Tuesday. So again, thank you, Clark. Thank you, David. Thank you, everyone who is listening and who will listen to this uh, episode. This is Queer Travel Chat. 
Um, we will Remember check in with you. Ah, to subscribe yes, if absolutely. you uh, enjoy the podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can get notifications of when our next uh, upcoming episodes are. And again, if you want to follow us on social media, we're always at Two Bad Tourists. You can um, find us on the web, twobadtourists.com. And we would really appreciate it if you want to leave us a comment on Colin or any of our social media channels. Let us know what you like or what you want to hear more of. We have lots of ideas, but we also want to know what other people are wanting to hear. Absolutely. So this episode will be uh, saved here pretty quickly to listen after the fact. But until then, we will speak to you next Tuesday. So at we're going to go Eastern. check out some stands, right? We're yeah, gonna we're going to go, go walk uh, around Feed Tour. We're going to go check out some stuff. So thanks, everyone. We'll chat next week. Let's go. Bye.